The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Your Kansas State Wildcats are 2 and 0. Oh. To start the 2022 campaign. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. My name is Mitch Fortner. Alongside the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland is with us today across the board. 537-1350 is our number if you'd like to call in and ask us questions or leave a comment about what you thought about K-State's win this past Saturday against the Missouri Tigers. That final score, 40-12. to Coming up on the show, we're going to hear from a couple of Wildcats, Deuce Vaughn and Kobe Savage, their comments to the media after the victory. And uh, at 425, coming up in the next segment, we're going to hear from the birthday boy, K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini. His team on Friday beat the Yale Bulldogs 1-0, and K-State soccer setting a new school record on Friday night, seven straight games with a goal scored. Well, Wyatt, let's start with uh, the Cats on Saturday. Uh Rain, yeah, it was wet. The place was packed, by the way, to start the game. The first quarter and a half was a great environment. It started to rain hard. Some folks left the seating area because maybe they just weren't prepared for the environment. But the student section was great, loud, and K-State was off and running after giving up spotting the Mizzou Tigers three points after that first three points was scored. It was K-State in control. Wasn't the most beautiful on offense at times. Defensively, played a very strong game throughout. But I'd love to hear your thoughts, Wyatt, on just the overall game. Well, I think your summation there is pretty darn good. I guess what I would add is is a tip of the cap to the K-State fans. It wasn't a real great day after – or I guess I guess you could say it was great leading up to the delay at 7.44 to go right, in the, in the mm-hmm. second quarter. Up until that point, K-State overcame Mizzou's first drive, and boy, they were humming when, when the game got stopped, right, because of the lightning. Uh, defensively, they had turned it on. Offensively, they had two really, really fun and interesting and good drives. They were running the ball. They were stopping virtually everything after that first drive that Missouri was doing. And then, yeah, there were some that didn't come back, but many did, uh, and, and it was – it had to be pretty miserable. You know, you and I have pretty good seats, and yeah. what have you, and you take for granted that, ah, oh, this is no big deal. But the other thing is is how loud it was. That was impressive to me. I, I really felt like the fan base was exceptionally excited for this game and to, and to play Missouri and to put on a performance like that. I, it, it just, it, I, I think the players loved it. I think the coaches enjoyed it. I think most of the media people thought, wow, this is pretty good too. Uh, so overall, a really good day. I, I just felt like, you know, through the delay, I mean, what happens after the delay? You worry about momentum, right? Because you had it so much going in your favor, and then boom, you get the punt return from Phillip Brooks, and, you know, frankly, the route's on. Um, they they called a timeout in the waning seconds to, to finally score a touchdown, and, um, boy, you win 40-12 to 12 against a team that you thought was going to push you. So uh, <laughs> overall, pretty good afternoon the scoring on the day was even 20 in the first half 20 in the second half to speak on the fans real quick I I mean I've been in the stand I was in the stands until up to two or three years ago um and now yeah you're right we we do have some pretty cushy seats you probably stand the whole time 
I, I, you know, I kind of go back and forth on that. Okay. Last these first two games, I've been I've, I've been more of a setter guy, but you know, it, it kind of is feel for me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. I, I like both. It just kind of depends on you know the day. I think. But to, I, I suppose break the fourth wall a little bit. We record Power Cat game day ahead of time. It's it's very convenient for you know i do manhattan high football on friday sure it's kind of tough to come back on a long road trip after derby or we're going out to hayes on friday night and do a show the next day be all prepared so it's the best to just to do it that way but the forecast was a lot different just two days prior to an 11 a.m kickoff where you're seeing partly sunny it was even different from that morning from the topeka television i watched not to interrupt you but oh yeah they were talking about you know there'll be a little bit of rain you know in the first part of the afternoon you know maybe like say 11 to 2 or 3 o'clock and Mm -hmm. you know they were talking about maybe 30 hundredths or so oh i think it was (laughs) there was a lot more rain and i'm not talking about a two inch rain but uh, I would imagine that most people probably got three quarters of an inch to an inch, and and there were times when it was just coming down in buckets. Yeah, it rained the whole game, <laughs> pretty and much. For how fast the forecast changed to where we're having rain all day, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people just weren't prepared. And and I get it. Like I've been out there very cold games, and it's hard sometimes to stick it out for sure. You know, for three three and a half four hours. So, uh, but for those that stuck around, you saw a. Quite the performance. I mean, defensively, I love. I've just been loving the consistency. I mean, not just the four straight defensive possessions with interceptions. I mean, that was just a highlight reel of a third quarter or fourth quarter. Whenever that all took place, the combination of it, but just what K State's been able to do, stopping teams from running the football. I mean, K State again was running the ball so well that even though the passing game. Adrian Martinez was below 50%. He was 9 of 20. It wasn't perfect. There were some drops. One deep ball to Deuce Vaughn was taken back because of a penalty. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't the great. But again, running the ball really well. K-State's top five in the country right now in rushing yards per game or top six or something like that, or Deuce Vaughn is at least. Defensively, you are seeing just phenomenal consistency with the tackling. Tackles for loss, sacks, 20 tackles for loss so far this season. It's just been a phenomenal job by the secondary and then stopping guys behind the line of scrimmage of those in the box. I don't know if it seemed like this to you or not, but after they got the touchdown or the the drive to get the field goal to go up 3-0, K-State adjusts a little bit, and it seemed like almost every play for a while, Missouri was losing three yards, five yards, six yards, two yards. I mean, it was just crazy how they were – dominating at the line of scrimmage and then at the end of the day through the delay and all of that you look at it they rushed the ball for 94 yards in 35 tries that's 2.7 yards per attempt and to even take it further Missouri on the day averaged 3.4 yards per play that's run and pass so the defense was pretty solid after that first drive no doubt about it on uh, with Missouri, so you you mentioned it. They weren't being successful running the football, other than Brady Cook. Brady Cook did a decent job of improvising. He was the first drive and picking up the yep. first downs. Yes, yep. he was absolutely. Now yeah. everybody else besides and Nathaniel Pete, who played at Stanford the previous yeah. year, who we saw last year, had a little bit of success, but had had some lack of success as well. Just the running game in general. 
it got to a point though. Coach Kleiman mentioned in the post game where you know he he knows with the quarterbacks in this rain, the ball gets heavier. It's tougher to throw it downfield, and I get that. Elijah Drinkwitz knows that we kind of have to air it out and try to win it with our speed, and it didn't work. The ball was not getting there. Balls were underthrown or misguided. He missed Luther Burden on a route that could have been taken to the house. Yeah, and if it was on the money, and he is very quick. Well, maybe the elements did help out K-State's defense a little bit and coming up with those four interceptions. But that also wasn't because of lack of coverage. I mean, K-State dealt with one-on-one, and they made so many plays that day. It's an interesting point because what I would add to that is, is I, I remember Coach Kleiman saying to the media and to me that our corners will be tested in this game. Everybody knows that Echo Boydo and Julius Brents are pretty darn good players and could at least potentially be the best corner duo in the league, right? I mean, people would argue, some, but not everybody, right? But they're good. And he said they would get tested. Well, I I would say they were tested, but when when you look at some of the numbers and you the the concerns that you had, Dominic Lovett, three catches, sixty six yards. He had the one that was thirty nine yards, pretty good play. But Nathaniel Pete with three, Luther Burden with one mm-hmm. catch for basically three yards. That's I mean, huge. That's, that's really big, and it wasn't just the corners. <laughs> I think that's the thing that I'm excited about in addition to the defense in its entirety is the safety play that the Cats are getting from all three positions, safe, strong, free, and the jack. All of those guys are, are doing a pretty good job, and it was great to have – Josh Hayes back, no question about that, and and for that matter, TJ too. You know, it's, it's nice to have him back. Oh, yes, it was. Josh Hayes, though, I thought had a phenomenal day. He's a good player now. I, I I was so excited when, you know, we were getting close to the season, um, and he, it was so disappointing when he couldn't go, because he has such good experience, not only you know, in his journeys with North Dakota State. But the obvious is with, with Coach Kleiman and Coach Klanderman, you just kind of knew that he was going to be a good fit into this this system. It wasn't exactly what they were doing when he was at NDSU, but and, – and and frankly, he was a corner there, and they moved him to safety here, and he's he's just kind of picked it up and, and moved forward. I, I like Drake Cheatham too. I, I like him a lot. And, you know, a lot of times – when you, when you have a guy like – you think back to last year how well Sincere Mason was playing when he got hurt. Now I feel like he's starting to get back to that particular point before he was injured. And, and so that, that's exciting to see those guys uh, playing at this kind of level. And, and that's not even talking about TJ and B.J. Payne and, and probably a couple of others. So it's been pretty good. Well, I'd love to get – we're on the defense of 440 when we hear from Kobe Savage and with the offense of 510 when we hear from Deuce Vaughn. But before we take our first break, I did also want to ask you about the end of the game. Um, I, I know a lot of fans were really upset that Mizzou was taking a timeout with five seconds to go and trying to punch one in. A ref throws a flag on a roughing the passer penalty. that ex- get, Missouri gets an untimed down, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Fireworks are shooting off with a second to go. We all thought it was over. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to be sportsmanlike about it. You know, Mizzou and take Coach Kleiman's 
thought on it where, hey, they, they got time left and they got a chance to score. Go score. We got to stop them. Sure. I get all that, but I, at the same time, I just thought it was kind of pathetic. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word to use, but well, it was I, over. I understand the fans' frustration. I, I think if – I'm just being blunt and honest about this. If I had any frustration with it, I thought the call against Jalen Pickle was a little nitpicky. I know he did get a little bit of a push in there, but it wasn't like he clubbed him into the sideline or anything or knocked him you know, five or six yards backwards. It was just kind of a little little love tap kind of thing. But, hey, Coach Clemens, I suppose, at the end of the day, you, you do have to stop him, and they came close. I mean, they had how many shots did they have at it? I mean, that several. And two or three. Yeah. So thanks to some penalties. Yeah. At the end of the day, I guess I'm I probably wasn't as frustrated by it as, as some must have been, but um, you know, it's football and Coach Kleiman's right. Our <laughs> well, job is to stop him. <laughs> maybe it's maybe I just need to grow up a little bit. I don't know. I think it was just the timeout. The timeout just bothered me. Sure. I mean, that's something I would have done as a 13 year old playing NCAA football on the Xbox, just trying to run up the score or something. You know, just trying <laughs> to squeak out another three or six points and and move on. But I I don't know. I maybe another thing that just bothered me about it. I I, I wanted to come on this show and say the defense has not given up a touchdown. In eight quarters, because yep. I, I brought it up on the on the K State uh, the, the the soccer. I did the TV broadcast on Friday, filling in for Brian Smoller, and I thought it was a neat stat that Yale had been phenomenal defensively. Their goalkeeper would have had all shutouts through the entire season up to that point if it wasn't for a goal that was scored in the last twenty seconds of a match. Wow. Like that's how close she was to all shutouts. Uh-huh. And I kind of thought the same thing. Like, you know, you're just spoiled by that last second thing that takes a little wind out of your sails. But at the end of the day, it's still a 28-point victory against a team that used to be a rival that the, the, the players don't know much about the rivalry, but we do as fans. Well said. And you have to add this, too. This was a game that I think most people, meaning K-State fans, Mizzou fans, SEC, Big 12, whatever, they're looking at this as a game, okay, let's see what we get here, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the better team here? I think there were a lot of people that wondered. They're not wondering now. It was a pretty dominant performance by Kansas State. Yeah, it was, especially after Mizzou puts 50-something on Louisiana Tech. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I figured yeah. it would have been definitely – at the most, maybe a two-score game. Yeah. I'll go back and say one more thing here because I, I would <laughs> – there is going to be a, a time, I hope, real soon where <clears throat> there isn't a lightning delay and K-State gets in that kind of rhythm, both run pass, mm-hmm. and that's what was so great about those first two drives. I'm ready to see that offense, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I'm ready to – yes. I, I'm ready to see the chemistry build – and be where we hope it will be at some point, yeah. like sooner rather than later between Adrian Martinez and Malik Knowles, yeah. Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner. Yeah, and they, like, they, the truth is is they haven't played a, a ton of football together, even through the summer, the workouts, and, and a couple of ball games here, fall camp, whatever you want to say. They're still kind of somewhat figuring a little bit of that out. But um, – I think you've got an offensive line who's playing very, very well right now. You do have quality veteran receivers and some good young guys coming up underneath them and a, and a veteran quarterback. It makes sense that you know things things should be okay. 
I don't put a lot of stock in the fact that I mean, they've run the ball so well, they just haven't needed to pass as much, and that's that's part of it too. I mean, they're <laughs> you look at their run game, they're, they had 297 yards uh, in the opener, and the other night had 235. It, you know, reality of it is you don't have to throw it a lot when you're running it like that. You know what Earl Bruce used to say? I don't actually. There's only three things that can happen when you throw the ball, and two of them are bad. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just think about that one for a little bit, because it is true. Not oh, everybody for sure. believes like that, but that was an old Woody Hayes thing, too. Okay. That's where he got it. Well, we'll talk definitely more about this game coming up later in the show, later this hour, second hour as well. Plus, we get a little preview of Tulane later on as well. But when we come back, let's talk K-State soccer with Mike Dabini next. Travion, what is this? Chris Brown, Fine China. Oh. I didn't know. If you didn't know, Travion, I was going to ask Wyatt. Back to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland. And who's on your shirt? Lil Wayne. Oh, yeah. I was asked some about Lil Wayne the other day, and I... Oh, actually, you were there. It was Uh Travion and uh, another... uh, co-host on the show david g was asking if i knew anything about lil wayne i was like i don't know i don't i'm sorry i that's that's on me not being cultured enough let's get to our guest i'm sure there's a little something about lil wayne maybe and chris brown that's uh the the uh, coach of k-state soccer mike Dabini. coach appreciate you joining us and uh happy birthday you got anything planned for your birthday today um uh, not sure yet i'm on my way home so we'll find out <laughs> well, is, is, do you think Trina's going to have something prepared for you, like a surprise or anything? I would sure hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet it's a given. <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. Ooh. Well, happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you're coming off a victory at home against Yale on senior night by the final score of 1-0, and now you're 3-3-1 and on the year. But you have scored a, a goal in now seven straight matches. That's uh, – it's never been done, and now you're top 50 in the country in shots per game. So is that evidence that you've taken another step in productiveness of, of production offensively? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, the early stages of our program, we defended a lot, um, and now we're uh, attacking a lot. So it's, it's the evolution is growing in our program, and we're creating a lot more chances. Uh, we're confident in our attack. Uh, we still got to be a little bit better on the execution of those chances, but uh, we're producing uh, a lot of attack. Just got to, you know, figure out ways to get the end product now. Mike, it's it's an interesting scenario. You're three, three, and one. We've talked about the offense. Is this kind of about where you hoped you would be at this point? Because I know you're really excited about some of the young players in your program, and even as far as you've come, you still probably have to be a little bit patient at times I would think to, to let them grow into this yeah no I think you're right I mean everybody obviously looking for some instant gratification but starting a program from scratch is very very challenging especially Truly. in the big 12 uh, but uh, you know we have a really really good freshman class we have a returning solid returning sophomore class and a lot of seniors so it's a really good group um, I think we're you know we're where we need to be at right now. Hopefully this is a team that can grow into 
playing a lot more together, getting some more chemistry, and, and, and then um, doing really, really well by the time the Big 12 rolls around. So uh, we're excited about this team. Uh, you know, I think two of our losses were to two teams that were are considered in top 30 from an RPI standpoint. So uh, we're right there. Well, the Big 12 obviously is going to change next year with BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and, and UCF going to be added to the conference next year. Have you, have you started to pay a lot more closer attention to those four teams uh, now that they're getting close to now being your opponents? You know, just glancing at their results and glancing at their recruiting, um, you know, what they're bringing in for recruit recruiting uh, players and so on. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're just, we're just continuing to follow along, but focusing mainly on the players that are on the teams that we're, we're facing this year. But um, just, you know, quick, quick glance, a little bit here and there. Mike Dabini is our guest. Mike, I guess I'd like for you to comment a little bit about your facility uh, because it has grown so much uh, from the beginning. I, I, not that everything hasn't. But how much of an effect do you feel like that is starting to maybe have a little bit of an effect on your team, uh, chemistry, recruiting, which is hugely important? Can you put that into perspective for us? I mean, it's a game changer. Oh, first bad. five years, you know, first five years, we were blessed to have a nice field, um, you know, with temporary bleachers. But this is it's a magnitude effect of, as far as. Um, from the recruiting standpoint, um, competing with the rest of the conference members, and obviously from a fan experience and student athlete experience, it's it's been amazing. So we're blessed to have it. We're thankful to have it. Um, couldn't do it without our big donors that come in and help us with their generosity. So, um, but it's definitely a game changer, and uh, we're definitely grateful. Glad oh, to hear you put yeah. it like that because that video board's amazing. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the uh, third largest in, in the country for women's soccer. I did not realize that. That's that's awfully good information. Uh, there, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, do you know, coach, off the top of your head, on, on who the top two are? I, I really don't. I want to find out myself, though. Yeah, I'd be very interested to hear about that. There's only a handful of teams in the Big Twelve that have. Uh, Big screens, but K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini is our guest here on Wildcat Insider. Uh, there was a rule change in soccer this year when it comes to overtime, so if it's regular season, uh, there there is no overtime. So when you hit the 90 minutes, and if it's 1-1, it, you automatically go to a draw. There's no golden goal overtime. What was your reaction to that rule change? Were you in favor? Um, I was. I thought it was, you know, that was a good thing because of the freshness and recovery and, you know, playing more than 90 minutes and two games in a weekend, it's, it's tough. It's challenging. So um, I was, uh, but didn't realize that it's impactful now with a lot more ties across the country. Um, so, um, you know, it, I'm, I'm sure it may be revisited, but I'm, I'm not going to say will or not, but I have a feeling that there's, they're going to be revisiting this uh, this uh, situation. Well, this is your first year without Brooklyn Ends, and I've already asked you about just her exit, but n- now that you're 3-3-1, three, three and one, you, you've, you have this consistency offensively where you're scoring a goal, a match, but when it comes to leadership, those like like the Kyler Goins, the Bailey Nemechek, uh, the Shea Turner, 
uh, or maybe some other names you could shout out. Have you seen a, some leaders step up and take those reins? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's by committee now. It's not subconsciously look for Brooklyn Nets to do everything. She's hard to replace, absolutely. Uh, one of our best players to ever come out of the, the program, but uh, I think it's by committee now. It's, everybody is involved and have a, has a big part and stake in it all. You know, you mentioned some names like Kyler Goyne. She's scoring goals. Obviously, the experience of, you know, Kirsten Von Clara in the middle opens her her game up a little bit to be a manager um, and, and allowing her to, to blossom a little bit more. So uh, there's just, you know, everybody's contributing at some point. Um, and I think, you know, Brooklyn leaving that legacy and, and paving the way was, was important. But now we're, we're, we're kind of expanded to more of a by a committee. I'd ask you one more about Brooklyn, if you don't mind, because I frankly haven't heard a lot. How how is she doing in, in the professional ranks? She's doing really really well. She um she ended up getting drafted in, by Kansas City, but right now she's being uh, she's been playing with the Champions League team Valour out in Iceland, and actually she's loving it. Really? Uh, you know we're 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 communicating quite often through text messages. Um, She's enjoying her experience. She's playing at the highest level in Champions League, uh, playing in Europe, uh, especially in that, in, in that strong group in Iceland. But uh, she's gaining more valuable experience and hoping maybe one day to come back here to the U.S. and maybe finishing out her career. Well, Coach Dabini, got one more question for you, and that's just you're wrapping up non-conference play here with a road trip coming up soon against South Dakota State. And that's been a you know tournament team in the past. And then you have uh, actually the the next game is on Thursday at seven o'clock at Boozer Family Park against Colorado State. But uh, I mean, what's your thoughts about these last two teams on your non-con before you're at Iowa State? A much improved Colorado State team. Um, they'll come in and give us a really good game at home. Um, and then obviously South Dakota State is uh, conference champion for for their conference there and NCAA tournament team. Really good, tough on the road. Um, so I think they're two good preparation games before we start up with Big 12. All right, Coach. Well, best of luck Thursday, 7 o'clock against Colorado State, and uh, hope to talk to you down the road. I appreciate you having me. Take care. Happy birthday, partner. Thank you. All right, that's K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini here on Wildcat Insider. It's always great to catch up with him. Oh, and yeah. Nice to see the K-State soccer team doing well and uh, picking up another victory coming up on Thursday against uh, – well, the pro- not not the program, but the the university that you used to call games for. Yeah, and it's you know what I, I just have to say this too. It's really I, I really like Mike. I know he took on a really big job, you know, in in building this from scratch. I can't even imagine what it's like for them, not only him but the staff and the players to walk into that facility now compared to what it was when they got going. So uh, keep it going, gang. Keep it going. All right, when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about K-State football and its defense. Plus, we're going to hear from safety Kobe Savage after the break. Five three seven thirteen fifty is the phone number. Of course, tack on a seven eight five before that. I'm sure mostly everybody uses uh, cell phones these days, right? Uh, Pretty so much. If that's how you want to get in contact with the show, please do so. You can also uh, 
Make a comment or ask a question on Twitter at Mitch the Fort or at the game KMAN, and we'll get to your questions a little bit later. We can, of course, take your phone calls if you decide to call in. K State's defense, we mentioned it earlier, I mean, has just been so solid for the first two games of the season. In total, have allowed 12 total points. Really, you feel like the first string rotation has allowed just a couple of field goals. And that's after Missouri scored 50-something on Louisiana Tech. I think what I've taken away the most, just with the defense as a whole, is I'll use the same word, just a different spelling. There doesn't seem to be a hole in the defense. I don't feel like when I look at the defensive line, linebackers, at the nickel with Khalid Duke, uh, strong side linebacker, corners, safeties. I I truly don't feel like I've I've seen a weakness anywhere. It feels like a really strong unit so far. Well, it's an interesting thought because I think there's some teeth to that argument, and, and it's all based on experience for the most part. I think that you've heard Chris Kleiman say before that K-State has far benefited from the transfer portal. These are paraphrasing not his exact quotes but they've they've more benefited than been hurt by the transfer portal that's that's pretty darn obvious you know last year you think about Stubblefield and Rush Yeast and Julius Brents and those types of guys and we've talked about some of the the new guys here with with Drake Cheatham and you know <laughs> there there've been an influx of of guys Kobe Savage has been really really good and you know we could go on and on but you get the point in addition to that, think about all of the other guys that are back that you know have had at least a year and some more than that experience at all levels of the defense. And I think that's the deal. On top of the fact that these, I think these young guys really like this new setup, the three-three-five defensively. I think it fits. They understand it better now. So there's there's a lot of things that go into it. But when you get right down to it. That that front grouping, um, or maybe you want to call it the the front six ish, <laughs> have done a really good job of uh, of stacking that line of scrimmage and making it pretty tough for these first two opponents to run the ball. I mean, back to back games with ten tackles for loss, yeah. the twenty total on the year. They had a sack as well uh, in the game against uh, Missouri, but you have twelve different players that have a tackle for loss so far. That just made my point. Yeah, yeah. You just you just kicked it right there. That was it. it, it it's yeah. not you know it's not Felix doing all the work. Uh, <laughs> or it's, Daniel Green. It's, it's not just yeah. Daniel Green. Or or Eli Huggins. It's, or Eli Huggins. Yeah. I mean, it's just what it is. I, I mean, again, go back to what we talked about before. You know, when they adjusted to what Missouri was doing after the first initial drive, where they got the field goal from forty nine yards from Mevis, who's really an interesting talent by the way he's really thick and big but he's got a big time leg <laughs> he does kind of a line driver but he he gets it there but you know that all of those guys I think just the collective group you know there and and we talked during the camp about how they were continuing to develop you know guys I think a good example here would be maybe somebody like Omar Daniels who they really loved last year and he got injured and now he's back and healthy and knows what he's doing. He's learning from not only Van Malone, but guys like Echo Boydo and, and Julius Brents. That, that makes a difference. It just does. 
Yeah, K-State defense right now, 15th in total defense in the country. They are fifth with 10 tackles for loss per game. And right now, plus five in, in turnover margins, which is also a, a credit to uh, the offense as well for Adrian Martinez for taking care of the football. Yes, it's been spilled a couple of times. K-State's been able to get back on it. Mm-hmm. That's you know lucky, of course. Anthony Frias got an opportunity. He did fumble the football away. And I, I felt really bad for him because that was his first opportunity. Correct. First opportunity to touch the And that's the football. hard when that happens. Yeah. You know, you hope he gets more opportunities and, and maybe quicker rather than, than having to wait because he, he we saw in the fall that he can be a productive helper there behind Deuce. You know, and, and, and right now he clearly would be behind Deuce and also – DJ Giddens has been pretty good when he's, he's given, awesome. Yeah, he's when he's when he's been given opportunity, he's been a very productive guy. Part of that is really good blocking, but yeah. he's been real good. Oh, the offensive line does a phenomenal job when when Giddens is in that game, and maybe it's you know you see the the parting there. He's always been getting some really solid holes, and, and get to it here a little bit later about the offensive line, how much I think they stepped up from game one to game two. But right now, I want to get to Kobe Savage who. David G. and I were talking about him, I think, last Tuesday, and about how he just really stood out to us because he is flying all over the field. He wants to go hit somebody. You find him around tackles. Even if he's not getting the tackle, he's in the vicinity. Like He's there to back up somebody to go get a tackle and uh, also had a takeaway. So I want to hear from Kobe Savage as he spoke to the media back on Saturday, and uh, first question up was just talking about his interception. Did you kind of almost try to coax the quarterback into throwing that ball that you picked off? Yeah, we were in a cover four look, and I wanted to play a little bit softer since uh, number seven was on the ball. Most time when number two is on the ball, he's going to go vertical. I knew that. So I just couldn't tell if it was going to be an out or a post or maybe just a plain old vertical. So I, I played a little outside shade. I knew I had Drake Cheatham in the middle of me. I just undercut it, trusting my ability. Coaches all said you're a football junkie and spend a lot of time here in the office. Well, what's the longest run you've ever had watching film and just being in this Man. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, the first time I came up here on a visit, I think me and Coach Clarence spent two and a half hours just talking about ball. Like, we weren't even just interested in the visit. I didn't. I mean, I knew Kansas State was Power 5. We have all types of facilities and gear and stuff, but I really was in, uh, enthusiastic about the ball and listening to him because he's a great coach and a great mind. Have you ever slept here before? Yeah. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, uh, me, Jordan Wright, Drake Cheatham, yeah. I take naps up here, and uh, I remember one night I just I took a shower and I just laid on the couch and went to sleep. But, no, nah, I really enjoy it up here. You didn't throw a mattress in here at all or anything? Oh, yeah, we have little uh, foldable mats that Coach True gives us, so I'll lay on those sometimes. Yeah. What, what would you just say the defense is doing best overall to keep teams out of the end zone two games? Really? I mean, we're playing we're playing fast. We're playing faster than a lot of teams, and just overall Communicating, keep, keeping everyone on the same page from D-line to secondary, keeping everybody on the same page, being alert of certain things, whether it's backfield formation or something like that. I feel like the over-communication and then just the heart and passion we have is making us play better than a lot of teams. Kobe, there seems to be, like you said, a lot of communication on the back half of that defense with the safeties. With there being so many new faces, how much has that helped all you guys kind of mesh together? Oh, it's, how much it's helped a lot. A lot of us, we have, we've all built like a great relationship. Uh, I feel like we communicate every day. Just that practice, we'll over-communicate everything.
thing, just echo and echo and echo, make sure each one of us heard it. And then out here, just just practice for us. And Coach Kleiman talked about the nonverbal communication on the back half of the defense. Can you kind of explain what that means and how you go about doing it? Yeah, I just I over exaggerate every hand signal we got just so everybody knows and make sure whether it be the field safety and I'm in the boundary or just the boundary safety or maybe the wheel linebacker. I just want to make sure we're all on the same pace. We can play fast. You had Josh Hayes back. He plays just about as fast as you, right? Man, Josh Hayes is different. I'm 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 very excited. Like I told y'all, this defense is really different. We're all playing fast, so I'm really excited with this defense. Again, that's Kobe Savage, K State safety. I mean, when I when I listen to that, I just I love his personality. I, I love listening to him talk. There'd he loves. Be, the game. I mean this sincerely. Yeah. There would be something wrong with you if you didn't like his personality. Yeah. And I don't mean that personally. I'm just saying he glows with excitement about football and K State football and what he's doing and where he's at and this team. Everybody sees it. It. I mean, it's infectious. It just is. Yeah, and he. I love his confidence. I think he he he's very comfortable with being here. Like he's very comfortable within the defense. And when I mean about that confidence, like just watch him on the field. Like he is confident in what he's doing every single play. I don't know if he's if he's made a mistake. I haven't noticed it. Well, I'm sure he's made mistakes that we don't see. Okay, let's let's throw that out there as a probably a no brainer. But what's impressive when you hear him talk about. Here he is on a visit, and you know they've got swag and they've got you know great facilities and so on and so forth. But he's spent doing he's spending two and a half hours with Joe Klanderman watching film on a visit. Mm-hmm. I think that just makes the point of he's a baller. Period. End of story. He lives and breathes it. And I, I don't know that Drake Cheatham's a whole lot different. He he may be different personality wise, but he's been pretty much a sponge. And 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 again, that's what I was trying to say before. These new guys may be new faces here, uh, but but they all have at least some, if not a great deal of experience. I mean, a couple of years at community college for Kobe at, at Tyler. You know, Drake's been around a little bit. You know, at, at Prairie View, which which clearly they've they've got some pretty good football players that we've plucked from there in the last couple of years. And then you know, we talked about Josh being at, at Virginia briefly. Didn't work out for him there. He's only played in like three games minimally, but whew, played like 50 games at, or almost 50 games at North Dakota State. So that's a lot of experience. Yeah, there was a run in the first half where K-State forced uh, Mizzou to punt four straight times. And then in the second half, of course, the four straight <laughs> interceptions. But I mean, K-State was making so many plays during those eight possessions for Missouri. But I don't recall it happening very many times where I was announcing the same name in the same drive. Yeah. It was different guys making great plays on the same drive. It was just another name coming up making a nice play. Yeah. Yeah, there there's uh, uh certainly the competition ramps up as we start to get into to league play. I mean, you mm-hmm. start at Oklahoma and you're going to see Tech and, you know, those types of teams early on, Iowa State, but 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 uh, again, I think we're talking about a confident team that has experience uh, uh really kind of they've immersed themselves into this defensive system and it's 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 been very successful so far there's so there's no reason to think you you can't compete in this league that's for darn sure i'll tell you what travion uh, you can just you know the typical thing yeah get us out when we need to get out you know what to do uh so i, I did want to quickly touch just on a few games in the big 12 from this past weekend i didn't really get to watch anything because i had uh, already something going on saturday night uh big but eight? No, I'm kidding. Uh, 
entertaining people not at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. There you go. Uh, but it we was at a very it was a very old gym in Morganville, Kansas, where I was okay. playing some music. But um, Alabama, Texas. Nobody was giving Texas a chance. I didn't. I thought it'd be a three touchdown win for Alabama, but they Bama had to kick a late field goal to win that game. So credit to Texas for making that extremely competitive. Without Quinn Ewers for most of the game, it had to be Hudson Card, yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, it's a great point because, I mean, they were so excited about Ewers. He goes out with an injury in the first. Now they're saying four to six weeks. Yeah, That's a pretty significant thing. But, you know, Hudson Card's talented too. I think what you have to look at here, and I'm, I was like you, I thought Alabama would win relatively comfortably, meaning, you know, 14, 17 points, maybe 20, but no chance. They kicked the game-winning field goal with 10 seconds to go, and uh, Texas is ranked. Think about that. They're ranked in losing. That doesn't happen every day. Yeah, and you can make the argument. I, I, K-State, I should Texas, be, <laughs> K-State should be ranked <laughs> at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, let's toss out there. Uh, Iowa State beating Iowa. Matt Campbell gets his first win against Iowa. It's on the road, and it was a 10-7 to final incredible game in so many ways because both teams really struggled didn't do a whole heck of a lot but how about this for a drive 21 plays 99 yards to take the lead um they'd lost six straight to iowa so that had to feel really really good 10-7 i think everybody thought it was going to be that kind of low scoring game and boy it played out that way how about uh baylor and byu well, that, that game goes overtime and Baylor loses 26-20. to 20. Yeah, Baylor had beaten BYU in Waco a year ago, so this kind of evens out in a home-and-home thing, which happens a lot. I think what needs to be said about this game is Blake Shapin struggled, the, the quarterback yeah. for Baylor. He, he threw for 137 yards and a touchdown, a lot of pressure, sacked four times. But how about this? I don't know if, that I've ever seen a game quite like this, and it led to going to overtime. It had an effect on the overtimes as in two. Baylor, 0 for 5 from field goal range. BYU, 1 for 5. That's 1 for 10. Yeah. Not good. That's rough. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We have a little bit more time, I guess. Uh, Well, Wait, let's talk KU. Kansas, yeah. yeah, yeah. Overtime. I know, you, I know you don't like it, but, but well, you, have, you have to give them some I respect credit. it. Oh, I mean, for sure. I, they're 2-0. First time since 2011, and they beat West Virginia on the road. Here's the thing that sticks out for me. Not talking about the game but just numbers it's their first big 12 road win since 2008 that was in texas well yeah but before texas sure it was 2008 that's crazy but hey you know what they were the better team after they were down 14 early they just were they have uh i saw it today it was the top scoring offense in the country right now they've scored more points than anybody else so far. That's that's hard to fathom, but it, it's weird. It is, it is a fact. <laughs> yeah. J- uh, Jalen Daniels is good though. He's he's really matured. They've got some guys around him. They're better. There's no question. All right, hour two of Wildcat Insider coming up next. Also, your local news. Don't get anywhere.